Welcome to day 99 of Shaped by the Word, season 3, the story of prophets. As uh, we're going through the prophets in chronological order, and we're tracing with them the history of the, the fall of Israel. As Israel has come you know, from the time of having, uh, probably its pinnacle under David, both in worship and in, in grandeur of the kingdom. Solomon obviously extends a kingdom and brings wealth to the kingdom, but as the kingdom becomes wealthy, it does exactly what Moses warned them they should not do, is uh, in all of their wealth and all of their complacency, they forget the Lord their God, who is uh, the one who has given them the ability to produce wealth. Uh, God has been incredibly patient with them. He has pleaded with them. He has uh, spoken to them uh, harshly. He has uh, put up with a lot of you know their rising and their falling. He's been quick to accept them when they return. And uh, finally, it's come to a place where the nations uh, will be judged. The kingdom split in two. Uh, you know, the northern kingdom has already uh, been defeated by the Syrians, and, and they'll never be complete again. I have a hard time putting together their genealogies, a hard time remembering who they are and having an identity as the people. The northern kingdom is hanging on by a thread. You have these major powers moving back and forth, uh, you know, through conquering and uh, conquering the you know the world you know the world of the time, and, and Jerusalem is kind of in the middle, but God has protected it and has held it, and, and so we come to a place where we're looking well ahead of where Isaiah is prophesying. We're looking to a time when they will be judged; they'll be taken into exile, and we begin to look at the time when God will get regather His people and help them start anew. And so as we read this week, you're going to find a curious anomaly. We're going to hear the name Cyrus. And we're hearing the name Cyrus well before anybody on the world scene knew his name. Actually, well before even his mom and his dad knew his name. And, and God is doing this to show that he knows the beginning from the end. Mm -hmm. and, and so this is one of the you know, features of prophecy that we have where, where God is not only telling us what will happen in the future, he's calling people uh, by name. So we pick up in Isaiah in chapter 44, verse 24, before we read, as we always do, uh, we, we realize what a privilege it is to have you know, God's Word in our hands. Uh, as I read and as you read, we probably have so many different you know, uh, Bibles and their styles, and you picked one out that kind of fits who you are. You have a translation that you like best. Uh, you know, this, is, this is God's Word, and we have a privilege to possess it in abundance. Um, but what is more important is that it possesses us in abundance. So we always, we always pause. We always offer ourselves to the Lord. We always look to His Word expectantly for Him to show us who we are, who He is, and call us to be everything He has created us to be. So before we read, uh, we, we, we pray. So Cindy, do you mind mm -hmm. lifting us up with a word of prayer? Sure, sure. Father, we um, enter this time of reading Your Word, um, asking that You would by your Spirit, just open our hearts and our ears and our minds, Father, to the words written on this page. And Father, we're so deeply grateful that the book of Isaiah, um, this prophet, has spoken um, your words, Lord, that really build confidence in our lives, that um, none of this is taking you by surprise, Father. These things are your plan and your way. Um, we understand that we, too, can entrust ourselves to you, um, Father, your plan is so good for us. May we trust that. May we lean today into you knowing that you um, are accomplishing your your will and that those of us who have received Christ as Savior, Father, are completing that. And we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Isaiah 44, verse 24. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heaven, who spreads out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of the false prophets and makes fools of diviners, who overflows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense, who carries out words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited, of the towns of Judah, they shall be rebuilt, of their ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, richest stored stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people will know there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all of these things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those who quarrel with their Maker. Those who are nothing but potsherds, among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say, the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretch out the heavens. I marshaled their starry host. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. But not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord says. Products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and all and those tall Sabaeans, they will come over to you and will be yours. They will trudge behind you, coming over to you in chains. They will bow down before you and plead with you, saying, Surely God is with you, and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgrace. They will go off in disgrace together. But Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will never be put to shame or disgraced through ages everlasting. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I've not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I've not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come. Assemble you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods they cannot say, that cannot save. Declare what is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. 
turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth is uttered in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. For me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear, they will say of me, and the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. And we find a very interesting phenomenon you know, in, in the book of Isaiah, how God uses contingent circumstances in the world to accomplish his purposes. And, and so even you know, Cyrus, who never acknowledges God, all of his power, all of his riches, all of his delights or gifts that God has given him, and even without igniting him, even without acknowledging him, God is working through him to accomplish his purposes. And, and of course, that's in broader terms in what Paul was speaking of when he says, uh, we know all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes, even the calamities in our life and the things around us that are not exactly right, not exactly a reflection of who God is and who our Creator is. God is working in and through those contingent circumstances to be God for his people. And uh, what a wonderful truth that that is. And that's how we can acknowledge all things work, not only together for good, but uh, for God's grand and glorious good for those who love him and have been called by him. A lot here, and I think we have yeah. about two minutes left in the podcast. So, wow. mm-hmm. What are some of the things that stand out? Even as we're looking at 44 and 45, you know, it mentions several times, you know, that he's the the maker of all things, the one who made the earth, the one who created it and sustains it. And, but then even at the start, I, I love how even verse 24 reminds us, you know, it, it talks about he's the maker of all things, but also this is what the Lord says, your redeemer, you know, not just he's this guy that made everything and is kind of involved here and there, but in a much deeper way, he's also the one that's the redeemer and the rescuer of of a people who have gone away from him. And so even though he made them, formed them, um, established the heavens and the earth, he's also the one that comes in and, you know, he redeems Israel as we've seen him take him out of slavery, but with even greater redemption to come in Christ. And so just love getting to see some of those attributes of God that are kind of come off the page in, in this chapter. No, there's, uh, of course, that's going to be one of the big themes that we see in Scripture, and, and that's the theme of redemption. And it's uh, visibly placed in front of us, you know, in the Exodus when God uh, rescues his people with incredible power, you know, from bondage, you know, to the most powerful, you know, people in the nation challenging their gods and reducing them to, you know, to nothing. And, and so there is a picture of rescue. And, of course, here's mm-hmm. the other big picture of rescue. This is a return from exile. Uh, the nation has been scattered. They have no identity. They're in foreign places, living in foreign cities, subject to foreign kings. And, and God is going to take the people and he's going to restore them and bring them back, you know, to uh, to make them a nation again and give them a, a renewed start. And, of course, the final picture uh, of redemption is the cross. Mm-hmm. And as uh, magnificent as these two are, these two are pointing, you know, to the cross. And, and, of course, you do have, you know, the dual themes. You're going to see that a lot this week, uh, the dual themes of creation and redemption. Mm-hmm. I, I made the earth with, with my power, and I'll redeem my people by my power. Yeah. And what a great, I mean, what a great chapter, because if we see God as, as he's revealing himself here as this sovereign one who, mm-hmm. I mean, how many times you say, I am the Lord, mm-hmm. I am the Lord, you know, I am God, I'm the one who's done this. Um, but that plea at the end of verse 22, you know, turn to me and be saved all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. 
And we're going to see that you know, translated in the New Testament where the message of the gospel goes to the very ends of the earth and that same message is the message being proclaimed that he is the God and there is no other and salvation only comes through through Christ Jesus. So, I mean, just seeing the, the scope of God's yeah. sovereignty and his salvation, um, it, it, it's never just been for just one people. It's always been to go mm-hmm. to the ends of the earth. No, you, you do see that you know, vividly you know, in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And, of course, you see that theme richly here. Therefore, go uh, into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've told you. And you see a, a, a deep missional aspect to what God is doing in us, you know, where the nations will one day acknowledge, you know, your God is with you. We, we carry our gods in carts behind us. Your God is with you, and he has done amazing things. And, and so God's intention is for his people uh, to be an exhibit of his grandeur and his majesty and his holiness and his grace, mm-hmm. which is an invitation to other people to know, you know, to know God. And uh, a lot of times this is where we, we fail to be a missional people because the first part of being a missional people is reflecting the heart and character of the God who has called us into mission. That's mm-hmm. why Jesus, before calling uh, you know, the, the people in the mount into mission, gives us the Beatitudes. He said, here's the character that carries this message. Mm-hmm. And you have that uh, you know, as a major part of God's covenant you know, from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't help but to see Romans that God is working all things together yeah. for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So while it may not feel good, um, and sometimes it may feel very severe, it is his mercy that continues to move these things forward. Right. And and you have the two elements. You know, part of this is judgment, so they've brought this on themselves. Yeah. And, and of course part of what uh, we do is requires discipline and we uh, we bring it on ourselves because we have ignored our God. We have not listened to our God. We have you know, given our affections to other things, and we reap the consequence of that. But part of it is just that we are, you know, uh, living in a fallen world. So even righteous people like Isaiah are not only victims of victims. You know, kind of a crazy word to use, mm-hmm. especially in today's you know culture. But you know, not only are uh, reaping, you know, the consequences of world powers that are, you know, kind of moving back and forth and vying for for prominence, but also the sins of the people of Israel. And uh, but and God is also able to preserve and protect and to work about His purposes, you know. There, mm-hmm. so it is a rich theme, and, and prophecy is uh, is a good thing for us to you know to understand and see the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. as He works you know toward yeah, that end. For sure, Heavenly Father, thank you, uh, thank you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your incredible kindness to people who who forget you, who walk away from you, ignore you, take you for granted. Uh, thank you, Father, that you uh, call us. Thank you that you renew us. Thank you that you restore us and rescue us. You discipline us. And all of this is, Father, for your name's sake. And, and so may you be glorified among us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.